Welcome, Rinkrets, to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Dash Rink.com's Blackhawks Rinkcast, brought to you by the Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, and your time. And as always, we are also brought to you by our founding sponsors at PuckHockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Check out their new lines, throw in some rink wear in your car too. Uh, use discount code THERINK, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, for 10% off of your orders. They've got plenty of new lines, the Doyle from the Misfits, the Anthrax line, the uh, some other new bands, goalie-themed T-shirts and stuff like that, some really cool artwork. So head over there, check them out, use that discount code, and uh, throw in some rink wear while you're at it. So today is Friday, October 25th, 2019. I am Jeff Osborne, better known as Puck and Hostel on the Twitters. My name is Jeff. It's Hefe, man. Y'all need to take a hit of this, Jeffrey. It'll calm you down. And I'm not joined by Mr. Jekyll today, but I do have two of our rink writers. I have Ray Napientek and Julia Nakach. Uh, we were going to talk a little bit about the Blackhawks. I figured we hadn't been on for a couple weeks. Uh, we're all very busy with things, uh, writing and day jobs and stuff. So I figured we would uh, we would get on. We talk about what, what's happened with the Blackhawks or what hasn't happened with the Blackhawks. I should, would be more accurate. But before we get into the Blackhawks, I just want to bring up a little something, something that's kind of close to my heart, and I want to make sure that you know I don't forget to to talk about this, but. Uh, we had a family member, uh, my family, a family member of my wife, uh, who went through this horrible attack, um, and they put together a Facebook page because there's going to be a benefit. People can go there, and they can find out all the information, all the more specific information. Um, if you go to facebook.com slash justice, the number four, Laura S., you can go check it out. Um, it's all over the news. Uh, people might, may have seen this story, but she was attacked, stabbed several times actually um she probably shouldn't have made it through the ordeal uh she was beaten with a bat a whole lot of horrible things uh she lost her job and her health care because of it and they're going to be doing a benefit so if you want to you know jump in and and there's you know gofundmes and things like that if you want to jump in and uh, help out we'd appreciate that but um you can go everything is kind of centering through the facebook page so that's facebook.com slash justice the number four Laura S. You can go there and check it out. There's a flyer that explains everything, has links for all that stuff, and more importantly, you know, the story of what actually happened. Um, it's a miracle she made it through. So anyway, I don't want to be a downer for everybody, but I want to make sure that I get that out there um, in case anyone's interested. And I'd also like to thank, you know, there are several people who helped us out through this that are friends through the Blackhawks com- community. Um, I want to, you know, just say thank you to them for all the help that they've been for that. So anyway. Back to the Blackhawks. Um, we, they lost last night to the Flyers. It was a pretty demoralizing uh, loss, uh, especially because they were, in a, they were on a seven-game homestand after you know, their game in Prague, which you know, the NHL was trying to do them that solid, uh, but apparently it wasn't solid enough. <clears throat> so uh, they lost 4-1. to one. Uh, we'll, I'm going to go kind of more into you know, what actually really happened in the game a little bit later as we get further on. Um, there's some moves, some little bit of organizational things that, that happened. Uh, I'm going to talk about that. Uh, we'll go into kind of a uh, commercial break and we'll do our war pigs report with Mario Tarabasi. We'll come back. We'll kind of suss out all this stuff that happened with the Blackhawks over the games. Cause there's about seven games, six games that happened since the last time we recorded. And, uh, we'll kind of quickly go through all that. We'll talk about some other, uh, 
some other things we have on mind. Ray's got a little bit of inside information, so we can uh, talk about that, and uh, and then that's it. So, first of all, uh, Kirby Doc was recalled from Rockford. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit. He was recalled after his um, rehab assignment. Uh, it was like two, three games. He really didn't do much down in Rockford, but they brought him up. They want to give him a look, and, you know, that's fine. It, either way, it really doesn't really matter. Um I honestly think that he should probably be back in junior, but I get some pushback on that. But he's played very well. Uh, anyway, Ray, what do you think? Uh, what, what are your observations on the, the Kirby Doc thing? He's played well. I think he – I mean, it, it's cool to see when somebody scores their first goal. I mean, that's always fun to see from as a hockey fan, but um, – and obviously an exciting time for him and his family. But he's been fine, I, I think – you know, he's not prepared to play center in the National Hockey League just right now. I think playing him on the wing definitely does help his cause a little bit. Um, he hasn't been out of place. Doesn't seem like he's, you know, in over his head. It's just the team that he's on. You know, when he's not going to be the guy that you're going to be lying, relying on, like, you know, top couple picks in this draft. So, for me, he's been fine. I, I've been pleasantly surprised, to be honest. Um, and, you know, he doesn't. He's just making the simple plays. He, he almost uh, has been, been been making the simple play more than anybody else. So um, definitely have been a, a pleasant surprise with, with Kirby. Yeah, Juliana? I also agree with Ray. Uh, his first game, he really impressed me. I didn't think he was going to acclimate that well, to, especially being the second-line center with Kane and Strom on his wings. Um, I really enjoyed watching him play. I think he made a lot of really smart plays, and he was one of the better offensive players, especially in the second game that he played. And he obviously made a couple of hiccups, but I feel like when you're entering the league, no matter what, um, you're going to make a few hiccups in the first couple of games because you're still trying to get used to the flow and the pace of the game. But I do, he's really impressed me, honestly. I didn't think he was going to acclimate this well to the NHL, and he's looked really good so far. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh you know, it, he's made some mistakes, sure, and people have been pointing that out, but I have been impressed as well. He's kind of been in, you know, good position to, you know, offensively, uh, you know, contribute. And defensively, he hasn't been horrible. He hasn't been taking all of his face-offs. He's been taking some, uh, like Ray, you were saying, you know, he's probably better on the wig, um, and, and especially in, like, offensive zone situations, it seems like uh, Dylan Strom was taking his face-offs and stuff. But they, you know, they're kind of feeling it out. But they're they're feeling it out when the team is not all that good. They're not playing well. They're not gelling. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. Actually, I'll I'll kind of read off the stats right now of what you know how, where the Blackhawks stand, just so to, to get sort of an idea of you know where they're they're uh, where they're excelling and where they're not, and they're not excelling in very many uh, categories. They're two four zero uh, and two. Uh, six points. They're sixth in the central, 28th overall in the league. Now, granted, they're like probably two games behind everybody, but that doesn't drop you down that much in the in, in the standings. So they're 28th overall. They're not one of the better teams in the league. Their goal differentials uh, minus six. Uh, they're they're 23rd in faceoff percentage, 24th in penalty kill, 26th in the power play, 30th in goals for. Now, where they excel a little bit is goals against, uh, you know, Corey Crawford, his stats don't look all that great, but he hasn't been terrible. And Robin Leonard's actually, you know, last night was more of an average game for Leonard, but he was hung out to dry several times, some breakaways and some terrible turnovers, but they're eighth in the league in goals against with 25. Granted, 
I did say, you know, there are, there are a couple games, you know, the, the league has a couple games at hand on them. So, um, they're about two games behind everybody. Uh, so, but you know, that's still pretty good. You know, the eight being in the top third of the league for anything right now for them is pretty good. Um, they're 11th in shots faced per game at 32.4 and then their possession numbers, 22nd, um, in shots, uh, 19th and unblocked total shots, their high danger save percentage is right smack dab in the middle of the league at 16th and, uh, sixth overall in five point five, uh, on five safe percentage. So the goalies have been playing actually pretty well. Um, this will kind of probably, you know, move over into a goalie talk a little later on, but, um, I don't want to get into that right now. Um, uh, but as far as Kirby doc goes, like we'll get back to, you know, what we we're talking about originally, which is Kirby doc. Um, he, he can hang in there uh, for sure. He's got the, he's got the offensive skill. He's got the quick hands. He's got the quick feet. He's got the size. What he could probably use is, you know, an extra 15 pounds on his frame to help him out a little bit uh, for some of the bumping and grind and deep in the zone. And, uh, you know, he's just going to need to grow up. He's an 18 year old kid. Like he's learning, uh, you know, on the fly. So he's going to need a little bit. I wouldn't mind if they send him back to junior, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they're going to keep him around just because the way things are looking right now, uh, there's not a whole lot positive going on. And uh, if they can have, you know, this rookie, this phenom rookie that they drafted third overall, uh, and, you know, it was a contentious pick at the time because everyone wanted him to pick Byram. Uh, you know, if he can come in there and score some goals and, you know, they can sell some doc jerseys or whatever. I could see that happening based on the way this, this franchise runs. So it's kind of, you know, well, I guess we're going to kind of see we're only a couple games into his career, but he's looked pretty good. He hasn't been, you know, completely out of place when, you know, there are players on that team that, uh, and we're Ray's going to talk about this a little bit later play players that kind of look out of place on this team or players that have basically disappeared from this team. So we'll talk about that uh, after the break, but, um, also, Connor Murphy was hurt in the Vegas game. Uh, he maybe probably pulled his groin. Uh, they just said it's a lower body injury. They haven't really been too specific on it, but he's been one of their better defensemen when he's in the lineup. Uh, last year, when Connor Murphy kind of came back from his back problem, that's when the defense kind of played a little bit better. Uh, he's not going to fix everything, and clearly you could see by, you know, they brought in Ali Mata and they brought in, you know, Kelvin Dahan this year. Those guys uh, haven't really helped a whole lot either, unfortunately. So um, he helped some. Uh, he's It's better when he's in the lineup than when he's not in the lineup, but they brought up Dennis Gilbert. It looks like Slater Cuckoo might get, uh, you know, a lot more uh, playing time, uh, which is unfortunate. <laughs> but, uh, you know, what were your, uh, Juliana, what was your uh, thoughts on the, uh, kind of Murphy, you know, situation. I think it stinks that Murphy was hurt. He's played pretty well throughout the first, you know, few games or so of the season. He's looked pretty good. I actually haven't minded the Keith and Murphy pairing as much. I thought it was going to be worse than it has been, but it's actually been pretty decent. And I, it, I just feel bad for the guy because he just keeps getting hurt and everybody's kind of been picking on him lately, but he's really not the problem of this defense. And I think we all know that. And I want to see Gilbert get more games over Cuckoo, but I didn't watch the game last night, but I heard Cuckoo didn't even look that bad. 
So hopefully if we can just, you know, shelter those third minute, the third pairing minutes, then, you know, the defense shouldn't be as bad without Connor Murphy. But I hope that the Murphy injury isn't as significant because I remember Colton said when he first got hurt that it would be a couple weeks and now there's really no timeline, but we know that he's on LTIR. So he has to be out for a certain number of days and games. So I think he'll be out for the next 10 games or so. So hopefully the Blackhawks can keep it together while he's out. (laughs) We're going to hear a lot of that for the next couple of games. Ray, what do you think? That Murphy Keith uh, combo, I thought it was solid. They were definitely playing playing good hockey back there. What they needed, I mean, what we've been watching over the last, well, just a couple of games, even in the last season, was definitely just a pairing that you felt comfortable with. Mata, I'd like to see him not dragging Seabrook around, see what else he can do, and uh, you know, that that's that's something that's just you, the heads of spinning when you're watching those two and. And and Cuckoo was fine last night. I think he's just he's got to be that guy if you don't notice, and then you go to the stat sheet and go, oh wow, you know he played 15 minutes. You know, you know he he needs to be that guy. If you're if you're noticing him, it's probably not a good thing. So, um, but he was solid last night for sure. Yeah, I, I didn't hate Slater Cuckoo uh, for sure. I, he was just kind of you just notice him because had a number on his back. But other than that, he really didn't do a whole lot, which is fine. That's 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 okay. That's kind of what he's there for. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with you about the, uh, the Keith and Murphy, once they moved Gustafson away from Keith, uh, and I was kind of, I kind of brought this up like last week. Um, it's like once they took Gustafson off playing with Keith, things seemed to settle down a little bit. They weren't giving up as many shots. They weren't giving up as many, you know, odd man breaks and stuff. And they put Gustafson back down where he probably should be. Cause he's a specialist back down to like that third pair. And of course, he's playing with Cuckoo yesterday, which is not good. But um, you know, he was playing with other guys like uh, Calvin DeHaan, which I think grounded uh, Gustafson a little bit and gave him a little bit of help because Gustafson's all over the place. He's a nightmare. So you know, if you can limit it, and, and they went back. I was looking at the 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 uh, game uh, sheet from last night, and uh, Eric Gustafson played the second most for any defenseman on the team. And when that's happening, that's not good. Mm-mm. Yeah, the, he should not be playing the second most, you know, after Duncan Keith. And I'm not saying that, you know, they they have a bunch of great defensemen on there that all need to be playing better than him, but or playing more than him. But he should not be playing that much if he's out on the ice that much. And it showed last night. Him and Seabrook looked horrible last night. Gustafson had that egregious turnover on that that uh, Van Riemsdyk goal, where he basically got his pocket picked twice in his own zone. And then Van Reems like ends up scoring on that. And Keith wasn't any better because in that shift, he was out there with Keith and Keith turned it over early in that, uh, that shift as well. But it's just a, and Seabrook on the, uh, I think it was the third goal just got, you know, got his feet all crossed up and he's not fast enough to catch anyone from behind. So, uh, that ended up looking really bad. It was a really bad, uh, as I said, not a good look for Brent Seabrook, and I'm usually the the Brent Seabrook apologist, but it's really getting to me. My opinion on this is it's you know they brought in all they brought in a bunch of guys uh, this summer and uh, to to fix the defense, and I really thought that they were going to help, but it's starting to look like you know the guys who were remaining from last year are still the bigger problem. Uh, that's just a, you know an opinion now that I have an observation that I saw. So, and Connor Murphy, 
helps them and him being out for whatever he's going to be out is not good. So anyway, uh, also the Blackhawks made a trade. Uh, they made it in game while the, Ve- while they were playing Vegas. Uh, it was a minor league trade. They, uh, they traded Alexi Sorella to Florida for defenseman Ian McCashin. Uh, McCashin's a bigger defenseman. He's a bit, you know, about two fifteen. you know, in the six foot two, three range, a bigger defenseman. I'm sure he's going to end up in Rockford. Uh, Myra will probably talk a little bit about this later. He's got a, about a seven minute, uh, war pigs report coming. So I'm sure he's going to talk a little bit more about that, but I don't know. Uh, it's kind of weird that like Sorella was in a position where he was kind of ripping on Carolina. So they traded him because he didn't think he was getting a shot there. And apparently I would guess he doesn't think he's getting a shot or he didn't think he was getting a shot here in Chicago. And uh, so they let him go. I mean, he seemed to have talent. His brother's in the organization as well. I thought for sure that they were going to hang on to him for, you know, the rest of the season. But uh, you got any thoughts on that, Ray? Yeah, he was somebody that impressed me in the in the preseason. I, I thought he had a chance to maybe stick around, um, you know, when you knew, you know, Doc and stuff like that coming back. Maybe not, and, you know, get some ice time down there and, and be somebody that possibly came up. I mean, there's definitely something going on there when you're, you know, when you're talking about trading, trading him <laughs> again, uh, you know, I, you know, your next stop might be Europe, you know, so you, you definitely want to be careful how much you're complaining and stuff like that. So, um, but I thought he was in, impressive in the preseason. So, I mean, it, it, I don't know too much about the guy they got back. I mean, like everybody else, you hop online, try and figure out what you got going on. Um, his number one cop on hockey reference was Cam Russell. So for all the Hawks fans, you can definitely... <laughs> Uh, you know, take that for what that is. So, um, but for me, you know, minor league trade stuff like that, but you just hate to see that because the kid has talent, you know, obviously we're not, we're not behind closed doors. You just, you know, you gotta be careful before you end up just completely being gone from you, from the, uh, this side of the world. Yeah. Juliana. Yeah. Basically what Ray said, I, I mean, I remember at the time when the news came out that, you know, he had been, kind of not saying the greatest things about Carolina and basically saying that he should have been in the NHL over some of the guys that they called up throughout the year. I had a feeling that he wouldn't stick around because who knows if he's voicing the same opinions while he's in Rockford. And I agree with Ray. He really impressed me during the preseason. I thought that he could have stuck around or maybe earned a call up early on. Um, But you know, it's not that much of a loss. I think there are other players in the organization that are more talented or just as talented that have the same chance of making the NHL that he did. He's also an older prospect. I remember at the time when he got traded to Carolina from New York um, in the stall trade, everybody was so annoyed because he was one of the Rangers' top prospects, but he's kind of fallen off a bit since then because he hasn't really been able to move anywhere and he's just been stable in the AHL so hopefully he'll get a chance in Florida it would be good to see him succeed down there don't really know too much about Ian McCaution hopefully we can find out more soon but yeah I don't know I just I think it's kind of a really not that big of a deal trade figure it out yeah it's it it's just a minor league trade depth thing I guess they I don't know I, I apparently they don't have enough defensemen in Rockford or something but uh, or maybe that was all they could get for him uh, I, I, Alexi Sorella, uh, we hardly knew ye, I guess. <laughs> so anyway, all right. Well, with, with all that, um, let's get into the, uh, the war pigs report. We'll take a quick, uh, commercial break. 
Warpigs Report with Mario Terbasi. We'll come back. We'll suss out these games that happened. We'll talk about a couple other quick things, uh, answer some questions, and then we'll get out for the uh, for the day. So uh, here we go. Even though the Blackhawks' homestand is over, there are still plenty of home games this month and into December. Games against Toronto, Carolina, Colorado, and Tampa are coming up quickly. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the events you want to go to. If you're on a budget, you can sort by price, or you can look for your favorite seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program called Vivid Seats Rewards that allows fans to earn credit back. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. And when it's time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Right now is the only time of year when all four major sports are going on at the same time. Basketball, football, baseball, hockey, and more. That's not all. NCAA football, MMA, even esports. What better way to get into all the games than heading over to mybookie.ag? We have teamed up with MyBookie this October and November to give you this great offer. Sign up at mybookie.ag, use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and they will match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Hey guys, thanks for having me on for another edition of the War Pigs Report. Uh, Ice Hogs coming off back-to-back wins over the Chicago Wolves last weekend. Their first two wins of the season after uh, starting the year with three regulation losses. A bit of a confidence boost for Rockford as they now move on to uh, Cleveland to take on the Monsters. Two road games this weekend, uh, tonight and Saturday afternoon. Six o'clock puck drop central time. Uh, tonight, Friday against the Monsters, and then a quick turnaround uh, on Saturday, a noon Central Time puck drop between the Ice Hogs and Monsters. Uh, Rockford uh, has played five games this year. That's the fewest in their division. Um, the the two wins coming against the rival Chicago Wolves uh, coming at the right time. I mean, after starting uh, with three regulation losses, the first time that they've done that uh, in an AHL season in franchise history, uh, the group definitely needed to have a bounce back, and uh, and they did, and they did, and it was uh, on their last game against the Wolves uh, in Chicago. It was a Sakura Brothers uh, showcase as Tyler and Dylan um, hooked up for uh, for a, for a couple of points. Tyler had two goals, including the overtime winner. So it was great to see uh, that those two uh, having some chemistry and, and, and putting uh, putting a lot of good things together here as of late. As head coach Derek King has uh, made a note to put those two uh, on the on the line together, uh, along with Matthew Highmore. The chemistry of that line is, is clicking uh, right now, and it's and it's really benefiting the Ice Hogs as they uh, as they move forward. Dylan Sakura 
has uh, a point in four of five games this year. Uh, he leads the team with four points. Um, he now shares the team lead in points with uh, newly acquired Ian McCaution. Um, obviously, McCaution hasn't played yet with the Ice Hogs, but he has four points on seven games played this year uh, with the Springfield Thunderbirds. He was acquired a couple of nights ago in a trade with the uh, Florida Panthers as the Chicago Blackhawks sent uh, uh, Alexi Sorella um, back the other way uh, to the Panthers organization. So a one-for-one trade at the prospect level. Sorella, um, you know, he's obviously has... Uh, natural scoring touch at the AHL level. We've seen it in the last two seasons that he uh, he had coming into this year. Playing with the Charlotte Checkers, um, a, a high point producer, uh, back-to-back years having 25-plus uh, goals, hit 30 goals last year for the Checkers um, as they uh, ended up going on to win uh, the, the, the Calder Cup. So he was an integral part of that, of that, of that team. He came in this year, had a, a lot of... Um, expectations on him at the AHL level at, at the very least and uh, just had underperformed and um, you know was it uh, was it on ice performance was it off ice that's it's a lot of speculation um, but uh, he he is he is dealt and, and the ice hogs and the Blackhawks for that matter they have organi- organizational depth uh, at the forward and defensive positions that they haven't had in in, in many years but um, Trade, you know, trading to bring in McCaution. He's he's a guy who's been around for a, for a little while, uh, a little bit more than most of the Ice Hogs uh, on on the roster currently. Um, and he he brings a bit of a veteran presence. He's a big body at at six three, two hundred fifteen plus pounds, and uh, he he looks to slot in and, and probably play some top minutes. Um, giving him that opportunity was the recall of Dennis Gilbert. Uh, That happened a few nights ago as Connor Murphy went down uh, with a lower body injury um, and he was put on LTIR. Corresponding move, Dennis Gilbert gets recalled to the Chicago Blackhawks. So Gilbert will be uh, out of the Ice Hogs lineup for uh, a number, a number of games. Um, up, I believe it's up to 24 days. He'll be, uh, he'll be up there, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's he's played very well. He got a long look this summer with the with the Blackhawks in, in training camp in the preseason, and um, you know he's one of the two or three guys that I think of first when I think of you know who who should be going up to Chicago and uh, who has the ability to make an impact uh, for the Blackhawks on the defensive end. Um, so Gilbert up with uh, the Blackhawks should give McCaution uh, an opportunity to slot right into uh, a top pairing role, probably a top pairing role with uh, with Adam Boquist. Um, was asked on uh, Twitter to give uh, give an indication of a, of a top forward, top defenseman uh, playing for the Ice Hogs right now. Obviously mentioned before, Dylan Sakura uh, leading the team in points, four points in five games. He's been their their go to uh, offensively this year. Um, you know, another guy that I would like to name that doesn't maybe get a lot of uh, of attention with the Ice Hogs is Anton Vadin. Um, you know, he had some expectations uh, some some you know people thought that he could be in the mix to play with the Blackhawks this year um, he got a long look in the uh, in the summer with uh, a long stint in training camp and in the preseason um, and he jumped in and he, he really plays a, a well-rounded game um, he's been dangerous offensively uh, for Rockford three points uh, this year so far for Vadine. Um 
you know, he's been a, a, a generator of chances. He's and, and he plays in all situations. You know, he's gotten some power play time. He's got some penalty kill time. Um, plays well in all zones. He's a guy that I think, you know, for for his first uh, North American uh, game experience, I think he's done very well. Uh, so, so he's a guy that surprised me a little bit. Um, another guy that is is back in North America that's playing pr- very well is uh, is Philip Holm. Um, when Murphy went down, I, I had suspected that Philip Holm was a was a top candidate to get the recall. He has some NHL experience, and you know he's 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 back playing in the AHL after uh, playing two seasons ago with uh, the Vancouver Canucks and, and uh, Vegas Golden Knights organizations here in the AHL. And um, you know he's he's a great two-way defenseman, very responsible, skates well for a guy his size. Um, he doesn't have a flashy game, but he really gets uh, gets the job done in all ends uh, of the ice. He's got two goals this year for uh, for Rockford, and he's definitely been uh, noticeable in a good way. Um, so Philip Holm, Anton Vadin, these are two guys that are are um, playing at the at the top of the Ice Hogs lineup right now. Uh, in in the forwards rotation and the defensive rotation, and um, they're two guys that are definitely standing out and uh, were, were were big keys in the last two uh, two wins uh, for the Ice Hogs. So they're on to Cleveland this weekend. Uh, like I mentioned before, Friday night and Saturday afternoon set with the Monsters, and uh, we'll see if the guys can uh, can continue their little mini winning streak and uh, get back to 500 or above. So I'll send it back to you guys. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. Today's episode of the Blackhawks Ringcast is brought to you by CBS Sports HQ, the brand new streaming sports network. It's live 24-7 and costs you nothing. That's right, it's sports coverage that's always on and always free. Always. It's your one-stop shop for all your sports. There's fantasy, NFL, MLB, NCAA football, NBA, golf. There's even NASCAR, WNBA, and even rugby. CBS Sports HQ is coverage always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, and something we care about deeply. Gambling picks and analysis to get that extra edge. And don't forget... You can get access to all this great coverage completely free. And I don't mean free for a week or a month or even if you have some special cable package. It's totally, completely free for everybody. You don't even need a login. Just download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or other connected devices at any time to watch CBS Sports HQ. There are no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at the great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up for anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. Three, two, one. All right. Thanks, Mario. Uh, that was a very thorough War Pigs report. Uh, I know uh, he was, I, I threw a question at him for, uh, it was asked about, you know, who's the best forward uh, in Rockford. So I, 
let him handle that one because I did not have an opinion at this point in the season. So anyway, um, the Blackhawks, uh, they, I'm going to ramble through these games real quick and then we can kind of talk about what happened last night or at least the, the, the most recent games. Uh, they lost to Winnipeg 3-2 in overtime. Laner was in net. Side and Seabrook had the goals. They beat Edmonton 3-1. Crawford was in goal. Uh, goals were by Kane, Nealander, Saad. Third line held uh, McDavid and company to uh, to just one James Neal goal, power play goal. Uh, they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 3-2 in overtime. Laner was in net. Goals by Kajula and uh, Debrinket on the power play. And then Taze scored the overtime game-winning goal. Uh, they lost to Washington, Crawford and Nett. Uh, goals by Kajula, Kubalik, Kane. Uh, they outplayed the Caps in basically every category but goals. Uh, Doc made his uh, NHL deb- debut in that game, and we talked about that. We didn't, uh, it didn't sound, uh, or it, he didn't make too much of a, uh, uh, ass out of himself, should I say, you know, he, he looked well, uh, his, his parents were there and, and saw it and everything. And that was really, really good for, uh, for him and his confidence. Um, they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. I was actually at that game in the shootout. Uh, that's where Doc scored his first goal. He scored the only goal of the game. Unfortunately, uh, while he, he scored that goal. I was actually out in the vestibule getting a game puck for my kid, so I missed that goal. But good, good on him. You know, he was in the right place. Uh, he was able to handle, you know, basically a hot puck uh, off of his leg and get it into the net without a kicking motion. So props to him for that. Uh, he gave up a goal in the final two minutes with the Vegas goalie pulled. Uh, both goalies actually played really well. Uh, they get uh, Laner and. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury with some old school uh, pad stacking saves, which was really nice to see. But uh, you know, um, I'll talk about you know, a little more about what happened in the game after we talk about the Flyers thing here. They lost to the Flyers last night, four to one. Laner was in net again. I think this is the first time he's been in net back to back. Sod scores the only goal. It was actually a really nice goal. Blackhawks had a horrid second period. They were outshot like thirteen to one. They did come back in the third, and they were, uh, I think they outshot Philly 16-5 to or something. Uh, they couldn't win a face-off. Their face-off winning percentage was like 35%, 38%. Uh, Gus was back to playing the major minutes, which I kind of talked about earlier in the program, uh, which is never good for the Blackhawks. Um, uh, I'm not going to go all the way back to the, to the beginning, but the Vegas Golden Knights game, there were some things. Uh, the power play is back to stinking again, and I wrote an article about it. You know, Were they ever really that elite? Everyone, uh, you know, everyone just assumed that, you know, Eric Gustafson showed up and the, and the Blackhawks power play was fixed because they were hot for, you know, six weeks out of a six-month season. Uh, when I really broke it down, that's what it was. They were hot for six weeks. Um, seven weeks if you count the one game during the Christmas break. Uh, but w- were they ever really that good or were they just having a hot streak? They were I, Honestly, they were having a hot streak because later in the season – uh, you know, in March and April, when they really needed the power play, if they really wanted to make the playoffs, they were back to being, you know, league average or below league average. And now this year, they're well below league average. They're, uh, you know, in the bottom third of the league. The the great and wonderful Eric Gustafson that everyone was afraid when I suggested they trade him last summer when he was at his, you know, at his highest. The great Eric Gustafson is still out there and with this terrible power play, and now, you know. They, they. I really think, honestly, they could have unloaded him. He got something decent for him, and they wanted to hang on to him. Everyone was afraid it was going to break the power play. The power play was never fixed to be broken again. It was broken in the first place. So, um, 
that's you know but that being said the uh the the fans were booing the blackhawks several times during that game uh, i noticed it especially during the power play um when they were getting dominated on they were on the power play and they're getting dominated by vegas's penalty kill team and uh it, it's you know it's it's unfortunate, but they're not looking good. So then, you know, you get onto the the Flyers yesterday, and the Blackhawks looked even worse. And this is at home in front of their home crowd. They're making this big to do and putting on this '70s night and all this stuff. And then they come out and they just look terrible. Um, I'll start with you, Juliana. Uh, what what was your thoughts of these these most recent games and uh, any observations you have? Um, I mean, I couldn't watch last night's game, unfortunately, because I or fortunately for me, because I was at work uh, for probably seven and a half hours. But, you know, the the two games before that, the ones that I watched, I honestly thought they looked really good in both games. They were creating a lot of chances and they didn't look hard defensively, which is always a plus. Um, the pe- the power play has just been absolutely abysmal. They have to figure out something with that. There is no reason with the amount of star power and firepower that they have on this team. Um, there's no reason for the power play to suck that bad. There's, It's a terrible... It's probably one of the biggest downfalls of this team right now is that their power play isn't working. The penalty kill has looked decent. It was hard to start the season. It's actually been better over the last probably three or four games. Um, You know, I heard last night they were just all right in the first period, terrible in the second, and then they came back in the third and at least played decent. Um, But I don't think this team is terrible. I think they have some things that they definitely need to work on. The defense needs to, you know, get more solid. Uh, We say that all the time. The power play needs to be fixed. The goalies are probably going to be end up being the saving grace of this team but the other thing and I didn't realize this until I just looked it up a few minutes ago is that their shooting percentage is below league average right now so they're as a team they're only shooting 7.7 percent and the league is shooting 9.1 so that's not that big of a disparity but it's still they're they're going to come back to earth one day and have um a little bit better of a shooting percentage uh, their save percentage is above league average, which is nice, but hopefully they can get everything clicking and maybe they'll start potting more goals and get more wins because it looks like up until last night, it looked like the lines were rolling pretty well. Obviously, we all know the third line has been fantastic, but we got to get the top guys going because without the top guys going, this team's not going to win. Right. Yeah, I was there yesterday, and they, they were booing yesterday as well. Uh, it was the type of game that made the uh, traffic a lot easier on the way home because everybody was gone halfway through the third. Um, the biggest thing for me is, you know, looking at last night, the Flyers just played a simple game. They didn't make any mistakes. They let the Hawks make the mistakes, and it, it showed. And, and I was joking around after the game. I got to see three periods and a shootout um, with all the breakaways that the Hawks were giving up. So. <laughs> You know, I mean, it was just something that was an effort thing, you know, with the Hawks. They didn't – and I don't like to always rely on that to say it's effort. I mean, these are professional hockey league players. When they lose a game, it's not always effort. But yesterday was. I mean, there was no drive into corners. There was nobody getting to the to front of the net, maybe except Assad or Shaw that, that are definitely used to doing that. And then defensively, they have to play a perfect game in order for this team to succeed. You know, and when you've got Gus running around in circles and, and, and Seabrook turning the puck over every time he touches it and, and just unbelievably slow. Um, Keith played poor yesterday. Again, Mata, he's just tough to get a read on because 
he's just always kind of, I don't know, dragging the other guy around. So, you know, for me yesterday, it was just definitely an effort thing. Um, you know, you could have, you could have changed it up the lines. You could have done whatever you wanted. Um, you know, Claude Giroux, I think he was 10 of 11 at the dot. I mean, he was unbelievable. JBR was, was played such a good game, but they didn't make any mistakes and, and they let the Hawks, uh, you know, make the mistakes and, and obviously they, that cost them. So, um, but there were a prior couple games. I mean, I definitely was pleasantly surprised with some of the, some of the victories that they did pull off, you know, when they were, you know, like going all the way back. I mean, when you looked at Edmonton and stuff like that, but um, you know, you thought to yourself, you know, Hey man, this could get ugly fast. And then they beat them and you're thinking, okay, maybe they could get something going and then sneak a point out at Columbus and, this is a team that needs to get as many points as possible. You know, we, as a collective group, not too many people like the shootout anymore. Hawks need to see the shootout. They need to give themselves a chance to get that point and then get that second point. One is better than zero, and, and obviously two is better than one. Um, so if you're not going to be winning games, at least get that extra point. You know, we're, we've got back to that situation, and, and it's something that you look at the standings, and it's it's early. I get that, but you start to see those teams in, in the – in the, in the division, separating themselves, that's where you need those points. That's where you're chasing that those last two wild card spots. And and yesterday, they definitely just got outplayed, out-hustled. Um, they wanted it more. You know, whatever cliche you definitely want to throw in there. So, um, But when you look at the defense, they have to play perfect. They, they have that team, and, and they do have that offensive talent. You know, Juliana, that was a great stat that they're just not shooting where they're at. And if, you know, if that fixes that itself with Debrinket and Kane and – you know, Saad's been rolling, but Taves has got to get that rolling. You know, if, if they fix that, they can probably score with almost anybody in the league, almost. Uh, but defensively, they've got to play a perfect game. And you you saw yesterday what happens when they don't. Yeah, and uh, that was a good, also a good point about the third line. I really uh, i've i've uh, i've named them the Bohemian Rhapsody line. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they've been really good. I'm, I'm glad because I had high hopes for uh, Dominic Kubalik. Um, you know, I wanted to see, you know, a guy come in and, and, and really play well, uh, especially since they got him for basically nothing. So it's nice to see him out there and he's got some really good chemistry with Brandon Saad. They're both bigger players so they can play maybe, you know, that third line, you know, that bump and grind kind of, uh, play. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe that's the reason why, um, David Kampf is, is, is there because he's more of like a defensive minded, like. I'm not going to say he's a shutdown center, but maybe that's what Calatin's trying to turn him into. And uh, he hasn't been horrible, but uh, I definitely if they were able to put someone on there with a little bit of a, uh, an offensive flair, that could only help that line. So, um, But, you know, maybe maybe also comp- has uh, chemistry with Kubalik because, you know, uh, they speak the same language. So um, <laughs> That's you know. what Saad said. They just – he. They, they mumble to each other and then they turn around and tell me what he, what what they said. So yeah, and uh, but yeah, the, the the chemistry has definitely been there with that with that group. Yeah, that's really good, and uh, hopefully, the, you know, the rest of the guys can can come around a little bit. But you know, we, we talked about it during the summer too. It's like a lot of those guys, including Eric Gustafson, uh, you know, they had career years last year. Not everyone's going to have a career year this year. You're going to have people that are going to struggle, and and it's showing and and. As a result, the Blackhawks don't look that good. And uh, unfortunately, this is the, the, the time where they could have really piled on some points with a you know a lot of home cooking, home games, sleeping in your own bed, that whole thing. They really could have piled on here. And, uh, you know, they played some decent, some pretty good teams, but 
they were all very winnable games and uh, you know they could have come easily come out of this you know five and two and uh, that would have been a nice start to the season uh, but instead they're behind the eight ball now and now they're playing catch up and they're going to be having to do it on the road which is not good either um yeah they're going to try and spin it as well. You know, it's going to create camaraderie and being on the road, which is the same thing they said about going to, you know, going overseas and playing overseas, you know, uh, you know, it's that, that camaraderie going all eating together and going out to dinner together and traveling together, creating this brotherhood. And well, that didn't seem to work over there and, uh, the home cooking doesn't seem to be working. So what, what is going to work at this point in time? And it was shown last night when, uh, you know, Jeremy Colleton, uh, was, visibly frustrated uh in his post game uh i don't have any quotes for you but he was visibly uh you know frustrated with the team and and, and the performance and uh you know uh, robin lanner has has really uh, given a, a couple of good quotes about brutally honest that uh you know we got what we deserved or you know things like that uh, or you know that we are there they are a good team and but they're just not, uh, you know, finishing and things like that. So it's kind of fresh. It's, it's kind of nice to see, you know, uh, not some BSing comments, some actual honest comments coming out of them. And I really, I'm really a big Robin Leonard fan. So not that I don't like Corey Crawford, but I just think his time is done. You know, I think it's time they need to kind of like, you know, just ease him out, you know, give him 30, 40% of the starts the rest of the season. Not that he's not a good goalie, but he's not a great goalie anymore. And uh, it, it's time to start coming to that realization uh, if they want this team to do anything. And, uh, you know, if they don't lock up Laner pretty soon with a with a, an extension, you know, he may walk next summer, and then you're left with, you know, Corey Crawford and Colin Delia. If you extend to even Corey Crawford, then you, if you don't do that, you got to go out on the, on the goalie market and try to find a free agent goalie, which that's even harder. So um, they really need to figure out what they're going to do with this goalie situation. This, it can't be this up-in-the-air all-season-long kind of thing. This play in the hot hand was not what they were doing. They were playing. They were giving Corey Crawford all the quality starts, uh, you know, against quality opponents and stuff. And uh, now it's kind of shifted a little bit. But um, it, it's time to you know make a decision and, and stick with it and work with that and let Robin Lehner either work with the defense or Corey Crawford work with the defense more and and, and get gets you know get used to what who he is in front of him. And uh, you know, it, it, it's rough right now because they, you don't want to start the season out slow because uh, you could be out of the playoffs by, you know, Thanksgiving if you really continue to slide like this. So, but um, there, uh, like you said, we're, there, there's some good things with Kubalik and I've actually, you know, Alex Nylander, uh, I want to move on a little bit here, but uh, Alex Nylander has kind of impressed me a little bit. Uh, he's got, what, four, go- four points, two goals, two assists, but he's done it, you know, playing first line minutes and he's played done it playing fourth line minutes. He's not the greatest player. Of course, you know, he's not going to be, uh, you know, Marion Hosa on his end of the rink, but, uh, he's so quick. He's got great hands. He clearly has really good vision. Uh, you could tell by that goal that he had with Drake Kajula, uh, where he basically made a blind backhand pass to the backside where Kajula was wide open. It was a beautiful pass. Uh, that's, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of players have that kind of vision. So uh, you could see that there's some potential there. Uh, I'm, I'm still not completely sold on him, but, you know, I, I my just my 
uh, my thoughts on this were that, you know, maybe Patrick Kane is kind of the mentor that he needed. You know, a guy who's kind of a wild guy is a younger player, uh, needed to be reined in, needed to mature a little bit. Uh, maybe that's, you know, what uh, Alex Nylander needed. And maybe, you know, maybe this is going to work out in the end. I, I kind of hope it does because I don't want to have to be talking about how Henry Yokiharu was the one that got away. So, um, but with that, uh, Ray, what do you think about the uh, Nylander thing? Nylander has, has been fine. I mean, I, I'm impressed that he can go down to that fourth line, play a little bit, don't make any mistakes, do what he's supposed to do, get off the ice when he's getting some some time with talented hockey players that, that he can score goals with. Um, I haven't seen a lack of effort. I haven't seen, you know, anything that when he came from Buffalo, it was like, Oh, good luck with him. You know, he had bad attitude, no effort. You know, he just kind of skates around and um, you know, I was just looking for somebody that was floating through every zone and, you know, trying to get breakaways and, you know, you get that picture in your mind, like, okay, man, he's, he's just kind of a junior hockey player and he's never turned into a pro. Uh, but I haven't seen any of that. I mean, he definitely has been solid. He's like you said, he's, you're never going to confuse him for, you know, any awards and defensive zone. So, um, but you know, he definitely can't shoot, can't skate at a high level. And, and he's the type of player that they need, you know, going to be somebody that can move up and, and play in the top six. If you're playing him, you know, 10 minutes a night, he still may score for you. Like he did, you know, a couple of nights, you know, not playing a ton of minutes. So he he's he's been a pleasant surprise to me as well. Juliana, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, I've actually really been liking the fourth line of Kajula Carpenter and Nylander for the past few games. I've thought that they've had a lot of energy when they've taken the ice, and you know, they've had um, a lot of offensive zone time and ample scoring chances, and which I've really liked. Side note, really like the addition of Carpenter so far as well. He's been awesome in the face-off dot where other players have lacked so far. And, yeah, no, Nylander has really impressed me. I mean, you know, when he was down in the AHL with Rochester for a few years and everybody said that he was either hot or not and, you know, there was a lot of lack of effort. But, you know, Leafs fans talk about the same thing with William Nylander too. So sometimes I think when you see those guys that have a lot of talent where it just looks easy for them sometimes and then other times it doesn't look like they're doing much when they don't have the puck, there can be a lot of criticism in terms of them floating around, as Ray said, and kind of looking like a guy who doesn't do much. But, you know, I've been impressed with him so far. He's been better than I thought he was going to be. He's making his way into the lineup every night, which is good for him because I think the more playing time he gets, the more acclimated he'll get and the better he'll look every single game. And, uh, yeah, he can move throughout the lineup anywhere. It can be top six, be bottom six. But I have really liked the way he's played so far. And it seems like he's kind of getting into that role on the fourth line where – Obviously, he has the offensive talent, but he's kind of acting of more as a grinder as well, which nobody really pegged him as. Um, I think he could fit in anywhere in the lineup, and that's good for him, but also good for the Blackhawks because they really need as much offense as they can possibly get. Yeah, for sure. Um, kind of circling back to the goalie thing, um, what are your opinions uh, on on this goalie situation? Uh I'll start. I'll, I'll go back to you, Juliana, and then I'll go back to Ray. What do you think? Um, I wrote it in my recap the other night after the uh, Vegas game that Robin Leonard needs to get the majority of the starts, and it's no slight to Corey Crawford. I think we all appreciate everything he's done um, since he's come into the league and the cups that he's won with us, and 
dragging, you know, some teams through the playoffs and also through the season for the last couple of years, even like, you know, but he's going to be 35 in December and he's had two concussions in the last few years. And I just, he's not the goalie, like you said earlier, he's not the goalie that he used to be anymore. And that comes with the age and the injuries, but you know, he looks a little bit slower so far this season. He doesn't look like he's on top of everything. Um, and Robin Leonard, we know what Robin Leonard is. Obviously, we all saw his story last season with the Islanders. And I've always thought that he was a great goaltender. He just needed to get himself together. And now that he has everything together and he's doing well, he looks fantastic. And if they can have the season be a tryout for him to say, well, will you be our number one goalie? And then he does it this year playing you know, 60 or 70% of the games, he's the number one goalie and he deserves to be because he's looked fantastic, even though his record doesn't show that. He's looked really good and I think he could possibly steal games for the Blackhawks when they need to get some points and move up in the standings if they really want to make the playoffs. It seems easy enough to me that it should be Leonard at least 60% of the time. Um, But the coaching staff needs to realize that as well. Yeah. Definitely. Um, uh, again, I've said several times, I, I'm a huge Laner fan. I was a huge Crawford fan. I still am. And I'm a huge Calendelia fan. I mean, these are probably my, and this is not just because they play for the Blackhawks. I mean, uh, I've been big fans of, uh, you know, Robin Laner for a while. Like, like you said, um, he came with a high pedigree. He just didn't seem like he was able to figure it out like in Ottawa or whatever. And, and now that he's sober, it looks like he seems to have figured it out. And, uh, so, I mean, he's big. He just takes up a lot of net. He's quick for a big guy. I mean, he's he's about 240, which there aren't many goalies in the league that are like 6'2", 6'3", 240, and can move like he can move. So he basically just takes up space because of the fact that he's so big. And he's quick on his feet for, for being that size. I mean, I know myself, I, I'm, I'm a bigger dude, and it's hard to move when you're carrying all that equipment around. So for him to be able to, to, to carry all that gear around and move the way he moves... Um, is is pretty impressive, and if you just look at the stats and the all you know all strengths, you know, and not just five on five or anything like that. I mean, Corey Crawford's at an eight ninety two save percentage, and and, and Robin Laner's at you know, his went down just a little bit because last night's game, but he was in the nine thirties, and now he's in, still at nine twenty two, which is really good because uh, you know I think like nine fifteen nine seventeen is the league average, so he's still above league average. Um, if you look like at the advanced stats, like goals, goals saved above average. Laner is almost a two goals saved above average per game. While Corey Crawford is negative two goals saved above average. And, you know, the high danger save percentages favors Robin Laner. Uh, the, the one thing that, that I found pretty interesting uh, when I was kind of looking at this uh it looks, at least in the first, it's an even split now. They, they've each played four games. The average distance of shot against Corey Crawford is thirty, almost 35 feet. The average distance of shot for Robin Lanner is just under 32 feet. But the average distance of goals given up for Robin Lanner is 19 feet, and the average distance of goals for Corey Crawford is 17 feet. So Corey Crawford's seeing more shots further away, but he's giving up goals closer. And uh, Robin Lanner is seeing closer shots and giving up goals further away. 
it doesn't seem to make sense, but uh, it, it was an interesting stat that I saw. Uh, I don't, I don't really go for you know goals against average because I think that's kind of a weird stat. But um, that was just something interesting that I wanted to bring up. Uh, anyway, so um, I don't want to belabor the whole goalie thing, but I, I think we're all we all kind of agree on that stuff. Um, uh, the last thing that I kind of really wanted to talk about, and I, I don't want to make this too long of a podcast today, I, and I do want to spend some time on the questions was. Um, Yesterday, an article came out, Mario wrote it on our site, that um, Bob McKenzie said the Blackhawks are working on a trade to try to get rid of uh, Brendan Perlini. And we talked about this last podcast. I think, Ray, you were on with me and and John. And I just kind of said, I don't understand this, why they made such a big deal about qualifying him, signing him, whatever, and and keeping him in the organization. And they, they spent like half of August or, you know, all of July and half of August you know, when are they going to sign Perlini? Perlini needs to be signed, blah, blah, blah. He's played like one or two games. He played a couple in the preseason, but it's it's clear that, that you know, Jeremy Colleton really doesn't like this guy because he'd be playing him if he liked him. And I don't know that Brennan Perlini has done anything necessarily that has warranted him to be sitting, you know, up in the press box. Uh, why? You know, they should have just let him go if they didn't want to play him or if Jeremy Colleton didn't like him. Should just let him go. Uh, instead of you know dragging them through you know dragging them through the mud on this contract situation, and then all of a sudden, you know here we are and he's not playing. Uh, you know he's a young player. He's got his you know career ahead of him. Uh, it just seems like a weird situation. Uh, Ray, you seem I think you have a little bit of insight, inside information that we kind of uh, foreshadowed the uh, earlier. What do you what's the deal with Perlini? It's true. I talked to somebody uh, real quick yesterday, uh, real close to the Perlini camp, and they are looking to ship him out. Um, not that I need to verify Bob at all, but anything, but it is, it's not a rumor. It's true. So um, just flabbergasted that they wouldn't just let him walk. Um, Stan likes him from, uh, from their understanding. Stan likes him and JC's just not giving him a chance. Um, you know, people on the team are happy that he's, playing defense, you know, he's, he's willing to step up and play defense in practice. You know, that's not what he wants to be doing. You know, he wants to be competing for ice time. You know, the, the, the team is definitely, um, you know, supporting him. He's been good, um, taking it on the chin, so to speak. So, um, but it, it sounds like Stan's trying to do him a solid and say, listen, you know, I put you in this situation, you know, let's try and find you a better situation for you. Cause he, he likes Brendan. He likes him as a, as a player as well. But, um, but Perlini wanted to be here and, and that's something that they, from my understanding, there was no talks, that, you know, with signings until the 11th hour, you know, where it was, you know, it wasn't like, hey, let's put everything in order in July and then, you know, we'll get back to you. Um, it was last minute type thing from my understanding. So, um, you know, he was excited to come back. He wanted to be here. He felt like he could do a lot of good things here and then is just not getting the opportunity, but, you know, is doing all the right things. And, and I, I just I couldn't imagine, you know, just be like, hey. Be the sixth defenseman today at practice. Well, no, I'm trying to compete for for minutes here. So um, definitely sounds like it is a JC thing for sure. You know, Jeremy Colleton just doesn't trust him for whatever reason. But um, you know that that Brendan's doing all the right things. Yeah, and and bad players don't normally get hat tricks in the NHL. And you know, just a mere you know what seven months ago he was getting a hat trick in the United Center. I think it was the United Center, but he did get a hat trick. I think it was on my birthday, actually. So, I mean, bad players don't usually get hat tricks. Uh, so he, it's not that he's a terrible player, and I don't know that, you know, he's 
he doesn't deserve to be in the lineup at all. So it is really a weird situation. Uh, I, I don't understand. Uh, Juliana, you got any Brendan Perlini uh, thoughts? I mean, you all, both of you pretty much cover it. I don't really get what's going on either. I've been a fan of his game when his game's been on. Uh, you know, sometimes when he is on the ice and he's not really, you know, that all there, he kind of just looks lost. But in the games that he did play last year, I thought he looked pretty good for the most part. He's got great scoring abilities. He is really fast. And, you know, when he wants to be, he's just a hound on the ice. And I, I think it just sucks for him because, you know, he couldn't really figure out while he was in Arizona. They haven't really given him that much of a chance this year or not really, you know, a ton last year as well. So, Hopefully they can trade him to somebody who really needs him as well. I think that's the other thing is they have players in the lineup right now that, you know, the bottom six is clicking and that's probably where he would slot in unless they can put him on Taves' wing and hope that he can do something and ignite Jonathan Taves because Jonathan Taves needs to be, you know, get hot in this season because he hasn't really done much. So hopefully they can find a spot for him. I think... I saw something earlier today about, um, I don't know who was saying it on my Twitter timeline, but, you know, it'd be funny if he got shipped off to Edmonton and then that first line is Perlini, McDavid, Yurko. That'd be hilarious. But, um, (laughs) you know, hopefully for him, he can just find a spot wherever that is, whether it's with the Blackhawks or somewhere else. I'm just rooting for his success because I really do like the guy and he's got a laid back personality, which... Maybe part of the reason JC's not a fan of him, who knows? I don't know if he's not a fan of his game or, you know, his work ethic because he's a lot more laid back than the rest of the guys. But I just, I'm rooting for his success wherever he ends up, whether it's here or somewhere else. Yeah. And it's really weird. Like they, they pumped him up with, with, you know, the diary over in, you know, over in Europe and all that stuff. And if you're not going to use him, why are you doing that? Like it just seems like they, there's such a disconnect between Jeremy Colleton and what the rest of the organization thinks of him, which yeah. is weird because they had such, you know, you know, legendarily, it was the, you know, Joe Quenville disconnect between the front office and him. Now, are we having the same problem with Jeremy Colleton? Mm. You know, it makes you wonder with some of these things. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know. It's, it's concerning because, you know, we thought that, they were going to bring Jeremy Calton because he's going to be kind of Stan Bowman's yes, man. That's his guy. That's his hand, hand, you know, chosen coach that he wanted to come in there, give him a chance to hire his coach. And now here we are. Very strange. Yeah. And it's different when you're a three time Stanley cup champ and the second winning is coach of all time. And if I want to poo poo Michael Kempney and never play him and then you trade him and he wins a Stanley cup, we all know that story, but it comes with a little bit of, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to play this guy and, and you, you could trade him if you want to, you know, Jeremy Colleton comes with, you know, not much on the plate. Um, you know, when it comes to having any type of, uh, you know, Hey Stan, you know, put this guy in the box and, and you can trade him if you want to, I'm never going to play him. And it's like, you know, you, you're, you're a rookie, you know, play the guys that I got you. Um, and then I'll make that decision from there. So he, he hasn't earned that, that type of thing yet to me to say, you know, Hey, and if the sources are true that, hey, you know, Jeremy Collinson doesn't want him and Stan's going to do him a solid, okay, that's great. But, you know, if I'm the GM, I'm going to say, I've got to put, the, you've got to put this guy on the ice. Let me see what we've got here. 
Yeah, that Joel Quenville gravitas or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. If, if if Coach Q wants to tell me, okay, uh, okay, these next ten games, let me see what this guy can do. And in those ten games, he gets eight minutes. Coach Q has that has that background to do that. You know, JC to me doesn't quite have that. And I come here and find you playing hee haw with the fuck around game. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that quote, but um, yeah, I mean, it happened with Vermette. It happened with Trevor Daly. I mean, over the years we've, we've seen it happen many, many times with Joel Quenville, but that was, again, like you said, he's won a couple Stanley cups. He's earned that right to be able to do that. Uh, Joel, you know, Jeremy Colleton is 12 months into his NHL coaching career. And uh, you know, this could, this could easily, uh, you know, run off the tracks real quickly if uh, they don't rein it back in and get this get this thing back on the, you know, back on the straight and narrow because uh, this could be the start of some bad things. And start uh, asking Mark Crawford who he wants around and who he doesn't want around. Yeah, right, exactly. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't think they brought Crawford in, you know, as a, uh, you know, in case Colleton screws up kind of thing. I thought it was more of a, you know, just. Uh, an experience thing to be able to help Colleton. You know, he's been in the playoffs. He's been, you know, through all these things. It's kind of like having a mini Joel Quenville on the bench next to Colleton to help him out. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, things could change. Um, and I gave Colleton, you know, I've given him, I wrote an article right when they, right when they uh, hired him that said, you know, listen, give him the benefit of the doubt. It's not his fault that they fired Joel Quenville. He's just coming mm-hmm. in trying to do a job. And, uh, you know, give him, give him the chance to try and do his job and then let him, you know, sink or swim, you know? Um, but he, you know, it's getting very close to that point and, and the, and the team isn't looking any better than they did last year. It's getting to that point where, you know, this could be a sinking situation if he doesn't, uh, pull him, pull him up out of the water, or throw some life preservers out there. So I, you know, I'm not going to say that he's going to get fired, you know, tomorrow, but you know, he he could be the one on the hot seat, and Stan could be right next to him at that point in time because uh, I don't think McDonough's going to put up with this stuff for too long. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's get into some questions, uh, and then we'll get out of here. Um, we've all got stuff to do. So um, our boy Jake Martin, he actually sent us in as a text. Um, he said, there's been a lot of debate regarding the role of fighting professional hockey. A video of Stockton Heat player Martin Proposal. Uh, getting knocked out, collapsing to the ice in a fight with uh, Bakersfield Condor uh, Colby Cave went viral this week. The video shows the fans cheering loudly as Papasil, uh goes down and the trainers from both squads run, on it, run onto the ice to his aid. Curious what the rink thinks of this incident and the role of fighting is a larger issue. Um, I, John and I have kind of talked about it a little bit. Like it's kind of getting kind of outdated. I mean, I don't think it'll ever be completely outlawed from the NHL. I just don't think they can do it. Um, guys running around, and, and, and this is a cliche because you've heard this happen a million times, but, you know, guys running around with, uh, you know, razor blades on their feet and sticks in their hands, and, you know, uh, it's just, you know, it, it's never going to go away. There's going to be fights. There's going to be scuffles. But, um, you know, fighting because a guy gets, or, you know, cheering because a guy gets knocked out, that's kind of like i may there may have been a, a point in time in the 80s where i was like uh 
you know, uh, cheering it on because it almost looks fake. It's almost like wrestling to you, to me, when I was a kid. But now you you've seen what it does to people. Uh, what it, what kind of head injuries happen and people getting knocked out is scary. Uh, you know, you see people get knocked out and it's frightening. And um, you know, I I think fans need to get smarter. Uh, stop with the cheering because a guy gets knocked out. Like you should be concerned when a guy gets knocked out because it's very, very easy uh, for someone to, 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 to die in that kind of scenario. And uh, do you really want to be cheering someone dying on the ice? Uh, I don't. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to see stuff like that. I mean, the, the stage fights, like you said, I mean, it's perfect. You know, back in the day it was wrestling and, you know, it was almost like a fake thing. And then they went to the box and, and then we just continued on. This is the best. I mean, we've had better players and we, you know, we've had great hockey players, but this is the best product I think the NHL has put on in a long time. I mean, there, there's a lot of good hockey players. There's guys that, um, you know, do a lot of special things at high speeds of, uh, you know, high speed of rate. Um, and to, then say that you know we're going to keep those guys around to do that and fans are cheering it's not not necessary i mean it, we we can we could watch a hockey game without without that nonsense now i mean the same thing with like boarding you think about 10 years ago the the problems that we had and and now guys are trained a little bit taught a little bit that it's not about running that guy through through the glass anymore you know it's it, it's a little bit different game so and it's a better game because of it but you know, and then, like you say, you take a liberty, some Patrick Kane's coming across the middle and somebody wants to take his head off, you know, that's where you're probably never going to get rid of fighting, um, you know, because then somebody's got to answer the answer the bell for doing that. So, um, but cheer, fans cheering and stuff like that, that, that's got to go. I mean, we know too much about the brain now. We know too much about injuries and stuff like that. To, um, and, and then there's just too much talent. I mean, it, it really is the best product I think the NHL has put on probably ever. Yeah, and you don't want to see players like you know Paul Correa and and stuff getting, yep. getting snuffed out of the league because of head injuries. When yep. you know Paul Correa could have been one of the you know the best and you know NHL players to ever live, but his career was cut short. And uh, and, and Eric Lindros, you know, his career yep. was cut short from head injuries. You don't want to see that. You want to see the best players on the ice. And uh, just a little bit of a side note: my my son was sitting next to me. We were watching the game, and my my son was you know asking something about like what's the best league in the, in the world. And I said, it's hands down the NHL, the most talented players in the sport of hockey play in the NHL. And there's, and there's just no debating that. And I don't want to see, you know, very talented players not be able to put on a show for fans and not be able to see the talent that they have because, you know, of a head injury. And, and this goes into, you know, the, the high hits and elbows and chicken wings and all that stuff. But fighting doesn't help because, you you know, Jonathan Taze has gotten dragged into fights before and, and, and it will happen. And do you, do you really want to see that? I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Kirby Doc in his, you know, fourth NHL game get dragged into a fight after he just had a concussion. And, and, and then maybe that, you know, hampers his career down the road. I don't, I, I just, uh, not that I don't like fighting. I think it will always be there at some point, but, um, I just, you know, the, the stage fights and the, you know, we, there's got to be a fight every game and you got to have a enforcer out on the rank there. The, 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 the role of the enforcer is not really there anymore. You get the Andrew Shaw's and the, you know, the little scrappy guys who they'll throw fists, but, uh, they're not the traditional, uh, enforcer. 
who's basically just out there on the fourth line to chase someone around and, uh, you know, try and intimidate them. Juliana, you got an opinion on this? I mean, you guys pretty much summed it up. I've, I've personally never been a fan of fighting just as somebody who's had, you know, a surplus of concussions in their life, just from a sport that wasn't even, you know, that, that, like fighting base because it was cheerleading and cheerleading you just get elbows and punches and everything to the head you know sometimes you land on your head from tumbling passes so you know as somebody who has concussions I just don't want to see anything in general that may contribute towards a brain injury because you see how much it affects people we obviously see how much Dan Carcillo has been advocating for you know better better taking care of head trauma and the NHL because frankly they've done a pretty brutal job of it except for the last couple of years where they brought in concussion spotters but even those aren't you know the best concussion spotters because we'll see somebody get hit in the head and then they're pulled off the ice and they come back on five minutes later and fighting in general is just not really entertaining anymore I don't think fans like us the people who watch this every single day really enjoy watching fighting anymore unless it's because they're standing up for somebody because when you're standing up for somebody for a high hit that's a different story you obviously want somebody to get in there and say hey like you can't do that to our player but fighting in general there's just no place for it in the game It, it slows the game down too much the game is really fast nowadays and even the players that are the scrappier kind they're getting more and more skilled players like the Kachuk brothers and you know Milan Lucic is slow now, and he has one role now on the Flames like he did last year on the Oilers, and he's not doing anything. So the enforcer is really kind of being edged out, and you even see Ryan Reeves in Vegas. He's kind of turned into that more of an agitator and not really a fighter like he used to be, and he's looked a little bit more skilled in Vegas. There's just no place for it anymore. Nobody is bringing somebody into the lineup specifically for the role of going out on the ice for five minutes and fighting anymore. That's just not a thing. The game's too fast. They're not going to be able to keep up. So I also think the NHL needs to take on a little bit of a bigger role in terms of protecting those players that are being hit in the head. I like the rule they implemented about reviewing five-minute majors and all that stuff. Um, not so much the minor penalties, but definitely the five-minute majors because you want to see the guys who do contribute hits to the head and really injure a player. You want to see those guys getting, um, you know, getting penalized for that. They need to implement harder suspension rules, in my opinion. But overall, the fighting's just not there anymore. And I don't, like you guys said, I don't think it'll ever be gone. But even where fighting isn't acceptable, the product on the ice is still fun because the NHL and, you know, the lower leagues are getting faster and faster. That's just the way hockey is going. So as long as we can have fighting, but without the stuff like what we saw in this incident, I think the league will be fine. And I think everybody will be fine with that just being the case. Yeah, there was a, a actually, I didn't even put this in the, in the question, but Aaron sent me a private message this morning about uh, this. Uh, I don't even know if you guys even saw it. AJ Greer, he's in the AHL. Uh, there was a whole mess. Like he got into a fight with somebody and then he went into the penalty box and came out of the penalty box to fight another guy and got his brains beat in. And then he tried to fight another guy. And I'm like that, that kind of circus atmosphere, just that does not have a place in hockey anymore. Like you can't be doing that anymore. That's just not how hockey is. 
like you said, standing up for somebody because, you know, Patrick Kane takes a high hit or a bad hit or a cheap hit. Um, I'm, I'm stand, I stand fully behind that because you have to let people know that there are, you know, consequences to, you know, hitting star players or whatever, even not even star players, just players hitting them illegally or cheaply or taking cheap shots at them. That I completely stand behind, but you know, just this, you know, two guys bump, they drop the gloves, they're going to fight, you know, they're going to run out of the penalty box. They're just going to make it a mockery. They like, that's not what hockey is anymore. That was hockey in the seventies. And it's not like that anymore. We're, you know, well past all that. So, all right. Uh, I want to move on a little bit about this. Uh, the next question, uh, a little more lighter, uh, uh, beans. Chelly says, uh, why does gate hate knockoff Jersey so much? I bought a couple in college, and unless you were looking closely and to purposely nitpick, it was difficult, the difference between the real and fake. It's not like the NHL needs money, right? Now, I, I want I retweeted something, I think it was yesterday or whatever. A guy, he's not on Twitter, I don't think anymore, but um, this guy, he was, he was uh, at Morasaurus. Uh, he had put together a YouTube video on how to tell the differences between uh, fake jerseys and real jerseys. Not that I'm totally against fake jerseys. Fake jerseys, if you want to buy a fake jersey, you want to wear it out to go play roller hockey with your friends, perfectly fine. You know what? You want to have a jersey that looks like an NHL jersey, go out and play with it and get dirty, whatever. Wearing them to the games is where I have an issue. They are egregious. They look horrible. You could Anyone like us here on the podcast can spy them, can spot them from a mile away. The, the fonts are wrong, the numbers look weird, the colors are off, the logo is a weird, shiny material. Sometimes uh, the, the logos are cockeyed, you know, they're not straight on there. The, um, the biggest thing that uh, you can notice is um, for Blackhawks ones, the, the cross tomahawks on the shoulders, they, uh, they look really thin, weird, and wiry. If you if you've seen it a couple times, you'd know it right away. And anyone who kind of you know corresponds with us mostly notices this. And it's very like I saw them at the I saw some Vegas Golden Knights ones. There was a guy sitting in front of me that had a weird one. And that's the other weird thing about these jerseys. Everyone orders them as like two sizes too small. They look like they're they look like their kids' jerseys when they're wearing them. Uh, I don't know why they do that, but they do that. So. If you if you spot a guy with a jersey that's a weird or a guy or girl uh, with with a weird jersey that's a weird color, you can you know you can almost bet that that's a fake jersey. And, and not that we I think that the the NHL needs any more money because that's not what I think. But like have a little bit of pride in your team and your sport. There are ways around it. You could buy a, a you know a non lettered jersey. Uh, I went and in the jersey that I wore the other day to the Vegas Golden Knights was a David Runblad jersey. Now I wore it ironically but I bought it for $35. It was on clearance at the old Blackhawks, uh, 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 Blackhawks store out in Aurora uh, on clearance. And for 35 bucks, it's the best 35 bucks I ever spent. Cause I think it's funny, but they had a Yuri Sakach out there. I, I've talked about this several times. You could spend 35 bucks on a, uh, you know, on a weird, uh, as John likes to call them the, the Hong Kong classics, uh, which I think is one of the best names for, a. uh, for a knockoff jersey, but uh, I mean, I own one, but I would never wear it to a game. I would wear it outside to, you know, play with my friend, play hockey with my friends or whatever. Um, just because, you know, 
I don't want to wear a nice jersey outside and get it all scratched up or whatever. So um, that's my thoughts on that. What do you guys, uh, Julianne, I'll let you start. You got any thoughts on the knockoff jersey thing? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of them either. I, you know, my freshman year of college, I was kind of looking at them because I didn't really want to spend the money on an NHL jersey. But you can find NHL jerseys on eBay or on sale nowadays. Like, they're regularly having sales, even if you want to get a jersey of a player that's not on a team anymore. I went to the NHL store a couple years ago when they were um, switching to Adidas and they were getting rid of all their old Reebok ones. And I got an authentic Patrick Sharp jersey for I think 75 bucks and that's just something that you can do you can find that anywhere I've gone on eBay and found jerseys for I got an Alex Ovechkin Capitals uh jersey from the Winter Classic for 80 bucks um and that's just something that you have to search for it you have to dig deep you have to search for it if you really want to buy a jersey that's the best way to go in my opinion Obviously, you know, a lot of people don't want to spend $200, $300 on a jersey. But if there is a player that you like, save up the money and just buy it. Because it's totally more worth it that way than trying to just add up all these fake jerseys where you go to a regular game and they completely stand out from the rest of the jerseys where people are buying legitimate ones. So just save up the money. It'll be worth it in the end. Do it for a player that you really like and don't just be spending $35 for 20 jerseys when everybody can tell that it's not a good quality jersey. Yeah. And uh, I like I spent, I, you know, waited and I got my authentic jersey. My authentic is a Brent Seabrook. I waited years to get it because I knew it was going to be expensive. It cost me, you know, a good, good amount of money, but I waited. I decided that was the player that I wanted because I really like Brent Seabrook being the Brent Seabrook apologist that I am. Uh, but, you know, I also went out and got, you know, back when he was on the team and Artem Anisimov winter classic, or I think it was a stadium series Jersey. I think that was 40 bucks. Uh, you know, I got the David Runblad one. I found, I got a, uh, Nick Letty one for 35, 40 bucks. And, uh, I'm actually going to change the nameplate on. I'm going to put Dominic Kubelik on it. I don't care if it's, you know, if it's a Reebok Jersey, but I'll have a Dominic Kubelik Jersey that I paid, you know, under 50 bucks for total. So it's like, you can do it. And like you said, you, you can make it happen. Don't, don't, don't pull this lazy excuse. That, well, you can't, you know, every Jersey's $300. It's not, you just have to work for it. Um, and that's the lazy excuse to go out and get, if you're going to wear it, you're going to get mocked for it by anyone who knows what they, what it is. You're going to get mocked and you get laughed at. I told a story last year where I was in the, the Blackhawk store and there was a guy wearing one of the Hong Kong classics and I heard him talking to his friend going, yeah, well, I got this for 35 bucks on the internet. You can't even tell the difference. And I, and I sat there and, and I looked at it and I'm like, you can't tell the difference, but I can tell the difference. And it's not even like, you know, it, it's not like I'm looking deep into the Jersey. I could spot that difference from 50 feet away because the numbers look weird. So, um, you know, you may not think it looks, you know, fake, but you know, people who really, you know, follow the team and uh, pay attention know it's fake. Ray, you got any, any uh, anything to add to this? No, I do want to take the opportunity to say, though, I did send you that link that one time for that David Renbland SM Liga jersey, a uh, game worn. He didn't take advantage to it. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I know. Okay, points. I just wanted to throw that out there that I'm a little disappointed you didn't go out and get that one. I know. I should have. But I love. Someone actually said, I don't think he understood on Instagram. He was like, Who in the world wears a David Runblad jersey? I'm like, That's the best $35 I ever spent. <laughs> like, literally, that yeah. is. You, if you get an ironic jersey, and, and, and my boy Patrick Stankus, who I used to do the shoutcast with, he, uh, he went out and uh, I think he got like a weird Jersey too. Um, I, I forgot who it was, but it was like some player from like, you know, the, the mid two thousands that was, uh, and, and I've seen, I've seen a couple of them out there. Those are actually, they're, they're funny. They're kind of cool. Cause they're unique. You know, like I kind of like that. I kind of like those unique jerseys like Yuri Sakach or, uh, I, I, I was going to buy a, uh, they had a, a Scuderi one, a Rob Scuderi Jersey. Like I would have bought that. Like if you, for 35 bucks, it's worth it. Like, I think it's funny. It, it creates a story. You can actually create a conversation with people about it. I think it's more interesting to wear like one of those unique <laughs> rare jerseys to a game. And no one, no one said to me anything to me about the run blade Jersey. Although I would assume somewhere on the internet, someone's taking a picture of that. My, me wearing that Jersey, like who wears a David run Jersey, but you know, there's a story behind it and, and, it, and I wore it in an ironic fashion. So like if you want to do that, go out, go out and buy one of those. You know, I, I I took a picture and I put it in the private chat. Like, uh, and this is kind of relevant based on what we talked about. But uh, in the in the Hawk store, right up right up top with Jonathan Taze, in between Jonathan Taze and, and Patrick Kane, there's a bunch of Brendan Perlini jerseys <laughs> sitting right there. Go out and buy yourself a Brendan Perlini jersey because they're going to be cheap real soon. So, anyway, I don't want I don't want to sit on it. But short out to the guy. Who is more so was Morosaurus on uh, on on uh, Twitter because he had that uh, he put that uh, YouTube video together and I will I'll probably add it into the description of the uh, to the uh, podcast so if you want to lick on or you want to uh, click on it and uh, head over there uh, you he actually did a really really good job so I think he should get. Uh, credit for it anyway jordan sanders why can't the hawks seem to play consistent in front of their goalie they seem to give up a lot of scoring chances in one game then minimize the next is that going to be the narrative this year uh yes that's probably going to be the narrative this year um the goalies again have been playing pretty well but uh the defense uh still hasn't figured it out yet uh you guys got anything to add to that yeah why can't the hawks figure it out they're talent in front i mean it, it really is going to be the narrative i think we saw it early on we saw it yesterday I mean, and and i mean i mentioned it early jordan that you know the hawks have to play a pretty close to perfect defensive game in order for them to be successful and that is going to be the story it's just the talent and and the ability to do it yeah i agree i mean the one thing i think that's been surprising to me so far this season is Last season, the Hawks were just abysmal in front of their own net, and they were just allowing high-danger chance after high-danger chance. They've actually been pretty decent so far this season. It's below um, 50%, the high-danger, you know, Corsi 4 percentage, where at 5-on-5, where they've allowed, I think, like four more high-danger chances than they've put on the opposing net, but... Yeah, I agree. They just need to find some sort of system in front of their own net where they're not, you know, making their goalies stand on their heads. And that just has to do with the defensive system. But they're getting better at it. It may not look like it, but it's been a slight improvement over last season, which I think we can all cheer for. Yeah, and also, uh, not no slight against Cam Ward, but Ryder Liner's better than Cam Ward. So, 
No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> so anyway, Doug Barger, uh, uh, he says, sad, sadder, saddest. I think we are at the saddest level of sad. <laughs> what is your opinion? Also, what former Blackhawk does he remind you of? I see a lot of Larmer in him. Um, I'm a big Brandon Sod fan. I almost, and we talked about the jersey a little bit earlier, when they uh, originally were going to sign him to that extension when they first had him, I was going to go out and buy a Brandon Sod jersey because I figured he was going to have a long-term contract. I really liked his game. Uh, it, you know, And that never materialized because they let him go. But um, then we have an Artemi Panarin later. And, uh, you know, but he uh, he gets, I think he gets some, I think he gets a lot of crap that he doesn't deserve just because of his salary. And now while Brent Seabrook definitely deserves it, and I'm starting to sour on Brent Seabrook, even though, you know, he he was my favorite player on the team, but I think he's really hampering this defense, but sad. I don't think he's hurting anybody. I think he's fine on the third line. I think he's a good solid player. He's a physical player. He's faster than, than people really give him credit for. Uh, He goes harder than that. Well, when, when, when he needs to, you know, make a, you know, a, a play with skill, he can do it. He's not, he's, he doesn't have brick hands. Um, he, he could be, you know, he's really kind of an all around player. I've seen him, you know, make some really nice plays, uh, back checking. He's making some, you know, stealing some pucks and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big Brandon Sod guy and I will, I've said it on Twitter before. I will take, I will accept no Brandon Sod hate. I, I like him. I want him on the team. I don't want to see him trade him. Uh, I defended him last year, you know, over the summer when Pat Boyle said that he needed to be traded, uh, to clear up cap space or whatever. Um, if you're going to clear up cap space, get rid of someone else. I, I want Brandon Sod on my team. Uh, he may not be the flashiest guy. He may not show up in every highlight reel, but he does the things the Blackhawks need, and they need more of, actually. They need more Brandon Sods on the team, I think. So that's that's what I see. As far as cons- comparison, I don't know that I really necessarily have a comparison for him. I could see why you could say I see a lot of Larmer in him. I think he's faster than Larmer. Um, I think Larmer was very, I think Larmer actually was limited in his skill set, but he was just really good at what he did. Uh, he, um, you know, he was just a solid guy. He was a solid guy all around, but I think he was a little on the slower side. He didn't have the hardest shot in the world. He was just very accurate. Um, you know, he, he, you know what you're going to get with him game in and game out. So with that, I see, you know, that in Brandon Saad, but, um, you know, I've seen some weird hate for Brandon Saad, which I just don't understand it. And I know John's a, a big Brandon Saad guy as well, but uh, uh, Ray, what do you think about Brandon Saad? I think the contract looks a lot better now. Uh, you know, when you see some of these that are going out for some players, he does a lot of little things well in, you know, in the neutral zone, in his, in his own zone. Um, I mean, he, he plays 200 foot game. He kills penalties. Um, you know, the penalty kill isn't that great, but I don't, you know, he's, he's out there doing a good job, I think. Um, you know, he's a threat to score. He could score 25, 30 goals, you know, on a good season. He came over from that, that trade that we all know about. He just, I mean, it was just, it was not the Brandon side that we knew. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, so I think that, that put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth, but I mean, if you're looking right now, if you had to be having team MVP, he's probably it. Um, you know, so, um, I, I'm a big side guy and, and kind of why that deal happened was, you know, Hey, we've got two more years of like, not too bad of a deal anymore, you know, for him at 6 million a year, if my memory serves me correctly. So, um, but he, when it comes to Larmer, it's, it's tough. I, I think it is tough to kind of compare him to a, a player. Um, you know, Larmer definitely had a, 
like you said, a skill set that he got everything out of that skill set. You watched him play hockey and he got everything out of it. And he was one of my favorites growing up as well. So, I mean, there, there are a lot of comparisons there. But um, for, for me, if you got Saad on your third line um, that can move up and down, he's a solid hockey player. And, and, and when he's playing well, you see it. You know, he's, he was awarded a, you know, rewarded a goal the other night that, you know, David Camp couldn't score a goal that was four inches from, from crossing the line. He came in and, and tapped it in. So, um, you know, he's always doing the right things. And, and I think that's the consistency that, you know, when JC says we're looking for that consistency, I mean, he can't see Brandon Saad so far this year and say he has, he's not the one that's not giving me that consistent play every night because he is. Yeah. And you look at like just, just last night as an example, James Van Riemsdyk was, you know, the, the big uh, power forward that was on the, you know, and the free agent market a couple of years ago, he's making $7 million a year. He just scored his first goal of the year. Um, it, and it was very similar to the one that Brandon Saad had scored earlier in the game. So, you know, that's a comparable player. Um, I, I think he's right in the wheelhouse of what he should be making for a Brandon Saad. Uh, I don't think he makes that much, you know, you could debate $500,000 here or there, but for the most part, I think he's, I think he's, he's pretty good at where he's at with his salary. Um, so yeah, Juliana. I agree with everything you guys said. I, for the life of me, I am a huge Brandon Saad fan. I, for the life of me, don't understand the Brandon Saad hate. I have a feeling that people still don't understand the Panarin for Saad trade. And that's kind of why they have this vendetta against him. But I also don't feel like a lot of people realize what the point of that trade was. There was no way that the Blackhawks were going to keep Artemi Panarin for the amount of money that he wanted. Look what he signed with. Look at what he's, he signed for for the Rangers. You know, $11.67 million. There was no way that the Blackhawks were going to keep him for that amount of money. And you're getting somebody who is a really fast player, really skilled player, is gritty on the penalty kill. They really needed penalty killing help. And he's looked fantastic on the penalty kill so far, especially paired up with Ryan Carpenter. Um, I don't get the Brandon Sadhi for the life of me. He's second on the team right now in points. He's got five. And he's working his butt off every single night. And that's all you want to see from a player. You want to see a guy who's really grinding and putting in that effort. And he's the one that's looked the best to me, obviously. The third line with Dominic Kubelik and David Camp has been the best and Brandon Sada as well. But he just is always putting his full 100% effort out there every night. And if you're hating on him still three years after the Artemi Panarin trade just because you wanted to keep Artemi Panarin and not have Brandon Saad on that top line with Jonathan Taves, but now he's working on the third line. I don't get it. There's no reason to keep on hating that deal. It happened. It's over with. We dealt with it. Just be happy with the player that you have and be happy that he's the one going out there every single night or every single day and putting as much effort in as he possibly can and hopefully getting rewarded for it every single night. Yeah, it's like even even when he's you know he's got bad luck because he's hitting posts or whatever, you know what you get out of Brandon Saad every night. It's not really unusual, you know. It's it it's, it would be very unusual, I should say, to see him, you know, go out there and just basically lay an egg. You you know what the effort you're going to get out of the guy, and he can play anywhere up and down the lineup. They're just playing him at the third line now, but I mean, he could really play anywhere up and down the lineup. He's a he's an important player. He's not the star. He never was going to be the star. He wasn't going to be the Panarin, but he, you know, he's an important guy in the middle of, of that lineup that, you know, it can, can keep things going in the right direction. So 
<clears throat> I'm I'm still a big fan of Brandon Saad, and uh, I want him on the team, you know, until he can't play. <laughs> I, I like I like him as a player. So, uh, and the last question kind of goes back to the Perlini thing. I, I don't think we really have to answer it, but I want to acknowledge that it was very cool, dude. Four on Twitter. I forgot about Brendan Perlini until the trade rumor. Is he really at the point of being scratched every game? I mean, he's been there since game one. Uh, isn't he like a, almost a point every other game player? I thought he was all right last year. Am I crazy? And I, I think we covered that pretty well. I don't think we need to, to go over that again. So um, one last thing. Uh, I, I think we're done. You guys got anything else you want to really uh, bring up? Are we good? I think we're good. Yeah, no, we're good. All right, cool. One last thing I want to bring up. Uh, I, I would bring it up. Uh, I have asked people to go out, you know, rate and review the podcast. It helps us out. It's very important to us. To, to move up the rankings, um, Holes Glory uh, put in a uh, review on uh, on iTunes, and it says, absolutely the, Black, the best Blackhawks podcast. Every episode I listen to again and again, their ana- analysis is super insightful, fair and honest. The hosts are really passionate about the game of hockey and are dedicated to bringing you the most useful information during discussions. I have learned so much from these guys. I can hit that play button fast. I can't hit that play button fast enough for each new episode that is released. Thank you. Holes glory. I want to, pre- I appreciate you listening. Please share with your friends. Let them know. Um, if you haven't already to, uh, listen and uh, subscribe to the podcast, I'm going to do my best to get, you know, even better, uh, this season. So I, I've made that my goal this season to make the podcast even better for everybody. So, uh, again, I, I want to mention again, if you didn't, uh, you know, I, I brought it up earlier, the justice for Laura, uh, Facebook page. It's justice, the number four, Laura S. And, uh, you, you could look it up on uh, the Facebook page. Uh, you could see the, uh, the flyer on there. It gives you the whole story. Again, I don't want to go into the whole story and bring everybody down, but you can go on there. It was a very serious situation. There are actually news articles that you could probably Google and, and, and see the actual, uh, you know, unfortunate uh, situation in the attack and everything, but, uh, go out there, check it out. If you want to, uh, uh, you know, donate or whatever, or even just saying your, your best wishes. That's fine too. But, uh, it's, it's close to my family's heart and my wife's family's heart. So, uh, uh, please check it out. And, uh, thanks to, uh, shy Sox history and, uh, Jake Martin, uh, for, for their help in this too, as well. So, uh, it was, a, it was a tough time with, with the family, you know, it was a tough time in the, with all that stuff going on and uh, we're glad she made it through miraculously. And we just hope, you know, best things uh, coming forward, going forward with this. So uh, there will be a benefit in a couple of weeks and, and that's what the, you know, the, uh, the donations and all that uh, good stuff is for. So thanks. Check it out. Um, so with that, um, I don't have really any last plugs except for, uh, you know, puckhockey.com. Check out their stuff. Uh, I just retweeted a whole bunch of stuff with their new lines uh, of gear or of merch and stuff, uh, go over and check it out. Uh, the, the goalie mask theme stuff. I love it. I want every one of those t-shirts and I probably will get them at some point in time. So they're really cool looking. Uh, they're, they, they have a really good, uh, metal hockey kind of melding, which is right up my alley. So, uh, you guys got anything you want to plug before we get out of here or we good? Nope. Okay. I, I would have to say happy anniversary to my wife. Today's our 11th uh, wedding anniversary. Oh, well, happy anniversary. Oh, awesome. Happy anniversary. All right. There you go. That's a good plug. She, she, 
She's going to be listening to the last minute. I know she will, so I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Good job, Ray. Absolutely. High five on that one. I'm not as dumb as I look. <laughs> I say that every time. I think that was in my wedding vows. I'm not as dumb as I look. Uh, so anyway, you can find all of our comprehensive content at www.the-rink.com. Uh, you can, Juliana's there, Ray's there. Ray's killing it with uh, the Chicago Steel. We didn't even really talk about it, but we will at some point this year. Uh, maybe we'll get some some steel. Uh, uh, you know, maybe we can get some interviews with some steel folks on, and uh, of course Mario Terabasi and uh, Aaron and everybody has been you know k- kicking butt this year. I'm really proud of what we're putting out there. Um, you can find us on all the social media at the Rink Official. So that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the Rinkcast page is at the Rinkcast. You can also, if you want to, just you know go towards you know look for Rinkcast and stuff. Um, I, I set up a domain for that. It's www.theringcast.com. Just how it sounds. Uh, you can go there. It'll take you right to the page on our website. Um, also we have backup again. I got it working. Thanks to the Puckpedia people, uh, our Hawks cap page. So if you go to hawkscap.com, type that into your browser, it'll take you right to our Hawks cap page. So I'm trying to make it easier for everybody to, to come in and, and, uh, you know, get, get our content and, and, and enjoy it and use it. Uh, out there on the internet to be a smarter, better, smarter fan. I am at Pocket Hustle on Twitter. John is at Jekyll on Twitter. J A E C K E L. Ray, you are at Hockey Knapsack with just a K, no C K on the end uh, on Twitter. Uh, Juliana Nakach. It's just how it sounds, but uh, <laughs> at the end, we, that, that's a little joke from the pre-chat. Um, it's N I K A C, right? Yep. Yes, correct. That's uh, so. It's Juliana Nakach. Uh, on the Twitters, she is all you. We're very proud of you. I mentioned this in one of the previous ones about the work you're doing for the NWHL. So you know you're 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 working with them as well. Um, so you know we're really proud of that as well. So yes, thank you. Watch women's hockey. Watch it. We yeah. are the NWHL. We stream all of our games on Twitch. It's either Twitch.tv/NWHL or Twitch.tv/NWHL2, depending on which game you want to watch. The Boston Pride are playing. The Metropolitan Riveters this weekend, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday and 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. So watch, please. We're having like over 3,000 people per stream, which is awesome. And we want to get more. We want to get more people into women's hockey. And it's a great product. We're 5-0 and so far. So let's keep it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any more hockey, the, the more hockey, the better. So. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's very, very, very talented players out there. If you haven't watched it before, they're very talented. So, um, go out there and check that stuff out. Uh, as I just also mentioned just a little bit earlier, a couple minutes ago, if you get the chance, please head over to iTunes, rate review us, or if you watch us on, you know, or listen to us on one of your other things, uh, one of the other, you know, podcast catchers or whatever, you can uh, rate and review us there too. It doesn't hurt. Uh, it doesn't have to just be iTunes. iTunes is just the biggest one. So please, even if you don't write a review, rate. You know, you just get you can get the the, the pop up and just hit the five stars or whatever you think four stars. We got a little bit of hate out there over the summer. We had some technical difficulties, and I apologize for that. I think we've uh, ironed that out. So uh, hopefully, we got you know those listeners back or whatever. But uh, so with uh, that being said. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the link.